Welcome to the Legends of the Black and Tan Coonhound, a podcast where two past breed presidents, Chad Smith and Ray Conrad, dig into the weeds of the legends of the black and tan breed and the owners and handlers behind them. Our mission is simple, to enshrine the stories of past legends and raise awareness and participation in our beloved breed organization, the American Black and Tan Coonhound Association. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we unearth stories of past black and tan legends. Okay, guys. Uh, hello, podcast world. This is Chess Smith again, uh, coming to you uh, on a snowy, icy uh, January day. Uh, this podcast here, we're going to have uh, uh, my friend uh, Randy Skaggs come <coughs> on. Folks who uh, uh, been around the breed know Randy. He's uh, uh, instrumental in a couple of these uh, well-known bloodlines today. Uh, the northern uh, Jeff Nelson's northern line and the uh, Black River line is uh, uh, really without Randy's help we probably wouldn't have those so uh, we're going to talk to Randy here in just a bit we got him on the phone but uh, before we start I was going to let Ray uh, uh, give us a a little bit of a uh, recap of the uh, Grand American which Ray's a a, uh, headline uh, sponsor for that so Ray how'd that go? Well, you know, the Grand American had probably the biggest entry that it's had in years. Uh, 306, I believe it was, on Friday night, and 268 on Saturday night, which is, you know, which is pretty pretty big numbers. And um, that, from what I'm understanding, they a lot, a lot of good hunting, a lot of good people traveled a long way. Sometimes they have to go as far as a couple hours away. I can tell you that vendors, they had over 100 vendors there on site. Um, I had, a, you know, most all of the uh, East Coast black and tan guys came by and spoke to me, you know, for the most part. I saw a lot of uh, familiar faces and spoke to a lot of people, but we kind of had our head down working on lights, repairing lights for people. And we, we sold out real early. We sold out by nine o'clock Saturday morning. Um, so things, things were moving and doing well there, Chad. Well, that's good. Uh, you know, after the COVID year, where we had a lot of, a lot of crossways actions. It's good to, good to know that, uh, y'all had a good turnout. Uh, I do have the results from, uh, the grand American, uh, on the black and tan side, uh, high scoring black and tan this year was a dog that's uh, kind of near and dear to my heart. Uh, high scoring male was Grand Knight Champion, Grand Champion Two, uh, McPherson's All In Double Deuce, owned by Charlie uh, McPherson there in uh, Arkansas, Southern Arkansas, a neighbor. You no, know, Charlie's such a good guy too, man. I love to see him win. Yep, he's a neighbor of Jeff and uh, Junebug Brown. Uh, Jewbug and Charlie travels to the to the hunts, and uh, you know that dog Ray. This time last year was just a started dog, and uh, he's done all that with him that quick. Yeah, he's done really, really well with him, and you know if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, what is, what is his daddy? Uh, the cable dog is his daddy, correct? Actually, actually Deuce, uh, you know uh, De- Deuce, which was out of cable. Uh, okay. Deuce is the one that Ashley 
Oxendine owns. Uh, that's the one that Michael Wilson had. Uh, actually, I picked up Deuce at, at Preston Knoll's house. Uh, I had one of those, and she didn't work out. But uh, Deuce was out of uh, Wendy Crockett's uh, Black Wendy. Of course, she's a all-time reproducer. Well, you know, I hunted. Uh, we had a sectional Saturday night here at my home club, and um, Mr. Jump, the fellow that I believe his name is Jacob Jump, that he's handling for Ashley, and um, I guess that dog's name was Royal Snap Cable Two, which would be which is the Deuce dog. That's exactly right. Did he hunt him there? Right, Ray? he did. He hunted him. He was king of the. King of the black and tan sectional and king of the show. He's uh um, He sure I he sure was. He was very impressive. I drew him the the second cast, uh the second round of the sectional. He looked really, really well. So so that's some that's some good breeding going along right there. The dogs are really showing up in the in the hunts. Yeah, you know, that dog is uh, uh is probably as nice as we got in the breed and that guy hunting him. Jacob Jones. He's a super nice guy. One of the best. Absolutely one of the best. Uh, uh, we're we're blessed to have that uh, Ashley to buy the dog, and we're, we're blessed to have Jacob hunting him. Uh, you know, Michael got out of it. Michael's a friend of mine, and he got out, and he, I think he sold uh, Deuce to, uh, uh, well, he sold Cable. No, he sold Deuce to uh, Jamie, Jamie Perrin, and then Something happened there, and then Jamie, he got him back from Jamie, and then Ashley bought him. So Yeah, Jamie ended up, I mean, he, Jacob was telling me about a little bit about that, not about who had him and all, but I was talking to him about that he had gotten sick. You know, he got one of those tick-borne diseases or something, and uh, but they got him over it, and he says he has no ill effects of it. And I, saw him, I saw him do some really nice work on Saturday night. Yeah, he's a, I don't know if you know, Ray, but the old ice female that I had, uh, he's a double ice bred, so double ike bred. Uh, oh, okay. Yep. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, Deuce, uh, Deuce's dad, Cable, was out of ice, and uh, and Sadie, uh, which is uh, double Deuce's mother, uh, is out of ice as well. Oh, so, okay, uh, so it goes back both sides, I understand. Yep, yep. and uh, the female... Uh, she won her cash one night, which is another friend of ours. Uh, uh, Midnight Smoking Penny, she's a Grand Night champion, owned by Big Don McKean there in Middle Tennessee. Very close to our last uh, our last two uh, interviewees, uh, Flippo and uh, Kitty Cat. Uh, they're, I see. Yep. Uh, Big Don actually was queen of black, uh, black and tan days as well. Oh. Deal. Yep. He and that dog is out of Smoky Seven, which of course uh, this this cross that uh, Penny's out of is probably the most well known cross of of Seven, and that's uh, and Bella and Bella. Yep. So uh, congratulations to uh, to Charlie, Big, Big Don, Big Don, and Charlie. Uh, way to represent the breed. The, the next hunt we got coming up is, uh, of course, uh, Winter Classic. It's uh, probably. Three weeks from now, I'm guessing. Of course, Ray will be there. I'll be there. We we anticipate on bringing our our equipment. Maybe we can uh, find a spot to to horn swoggle a couple guys while we're there. Um, I've got some on deck. Uh, I'm happy to announce that if nothing don't change. We got uh, Johnny Gillum, Bruce Gillum, and uh, 
and that crew uh, and Albert Short, uh, those three guys are going to be on at one time. I'm going to travel to Scottsboro one one weekend, get them. And then uh, I've talked to Lawton. He's he's uh, uh, agreed to uh, do one as well. So we got two more uh, guys that's uh, told us that they'd uh, to, to let us let us talk with them. So man, that's good. getting exciting, and we got to get these guys, you know, with us. With us losing, you know, somebody that we really wanted to get just in the last two weeks, um, it's super important that we that we move forward, particularly with the guys that's getting on up there a little bit, you know. Yeah, we uh, we had, uh, you know, we we had Carl on on tap, and Carl was more than happy to do it. But uh, oh yeah, well, just yeah. a tragic thing, but you know. Carl lived a good long life, hunted his entire life. I guarantee if you could ask Carl, he'd say, I'm satisfied. Yep. You know, That's, I guarantee absolutely. you would. And, I guarantee uh, you would. Now, since we talked about Carl, uh, we're going to bring in Randy. And, and, and for, for a lot of folks, uh, probably doesn't know, but Randy was in the Air Force, and uh, he traveled all over the country from, I guess, from Arkansas to Kentucky to Without West up to Alaska, but uh, our uh, uh, interviewee today is uh, none other than Randy Skaggs. Uh, back in the late '70s, all through the '80s, Ray Randy was uh, Randy was the who's who, and uh, we're going to start way back before uh, what you know about Randy, and we're going to carry all the way through to to uh, the kind of the most recent hounds. So, Randy, you got me now. Yes, sir. Randy, tell me about how you come about coon hunting with black and tans. I mean, where where did you get a good start at? I think it was just, you know, the first good dog I ever had, the first dog I ever had that really hunt, run, and tree a coon was a black dog. You know, I'd had several walker dogs and red dogs and a little bit of everything before that, but when the first good one I ever got was black, I kind of just stuck with it. You know, I can't even tell you now. That's that was in the uh, that was in seventy three, four, somewhere in there. <clears throat> I don't even remember now. I know he was registered, but I don't remember anything about his papers. And well, then when I was young, like back then, I was fortunate enough to I had a, a friend, a family friend that took me hunting, and, uh, and we went one night with Duke Baldridge, and I hunted with the. Waxweed Banner, and uh, I was, he was, you know, he was just an impressive dog. He just treated coons and behaved a whole lot better than most kids. And I just kind of started in with black dogs and stayed with them ever since then. Where were you? Uh, where were you based at? Uh, were, were you were you already in, in 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 the Air Force at that time, Randy? Or was that beforehand? No, no, I was just getting. I was still in high school. Uh, I was born and raised in Ohio, and. Mansfield, Ohio. Lived there until I was 20. And then got got married. Uh, the day I turned 20, I got married. And then six weeks later, left to go basic training. And then uh, pretty much lived all over the United States. Uh, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. was very fortunate in getting to live at different places and hunt in a lot of different places. I guess I've hunted in I've coon hunted in every state east of the Mississippi and a whole lot of them west of the Mississippi. And I knew a whole lot of people and 
get to do a whole lot of things that I wouldn't have got to do otherwise. Now, your wife was, uh, did she, uh, wasn't she in the Air Force as well? Didn't you tell me she was in the Air Force or am I mistaken? Yeah, we, yeah, we both, we both, uh, my wife wanted to go to college and, uh, she came up with the idea that we go into service to help, you know, they'd help her with her college. And, and that's what we've done where, you know, the big plan was going there and do, do four years and let her get some education and move back to Ohio. But just the way that the world worked and the way things worked out, we ended up reenlisting and we went overseas. We had to spend a year on an island off, you know, on, on the island Sardinia off the coast of Italy and the, when we came back, it was time to get to separate, and you know, we needed one of us had jobs, and and then she was pregnant with our first son, and we decided we'd be better off staying where we was at, you know, yeah. so we had some, we we'll make sure we had insurance and health care and stuff like that, and then the four years turned into twenty-two years. So. Oh no! <laughs> so you retired from the Air Force, didn't you, Randy? Yeah, yeah, me and me and her both did. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's fast forward just a little bit to that first. Randy and I talked a little bit beforehand, guys, just to kind of get me a. Of course, I know no Randy. I actually nominated him as a as a lifetime member, so I know Randy. He's uh, uh, he told me something that that we'll talk about later on about uh, if it wasn't for competition hunting, he he's not sure he. He might not have took up the coon hunting like this, but let's, Randy, let's back up to that first, uh, what we would call a dog that would be known to you or to some of our uh, folks uh, listening. What, what was it? Which one was it? I, I know we've talked about so many. Yeah, probably, that would probably be Misty was the first one, you know, really done a lot of winning and just a, Extremely nice, especially competition dog. She's extremely nice competition dog. Now, was um, Robertson's Little Deacon, that was a dog. A lot of dogs uh, today uh, go back to Little Deacon, Robertson's Little Deacon. Uh, Robertson's yep. Little Deacon was uh, out of Tennessee Deacon. Tennessee Deacon was at a Lawson's Big Hoss. I believe I'm correct about that. So tell uh, yeah. what when I was was Little Deacon before Misty or after or during or Little Deacon's Misty's daddy. Okay, let let's uh, start. Let's start with Little Deacon and tell me a little bit about how you came about Little Deacon. Well, Little Deacon was he belonged to Dickie Wallace when I'm uh, first you know got to know the dog and. That was in, he lived in a little town called Bologna, Arkansas, just north of, north of Little Rock, several miles, 20, 30 miles. And I got stationed when I came back from Italy. Uh, I wanted to go back to Arkansas, and they sent us to Little Rock Air Force Base. And after we got moved in, it was just a week or two, maybe a couple of weeks after we got moved in, I told my wife we're just going to go out driving around. And we went out in the country and went to driving around, and all I was doing was looking for dogs. And uh, we drove past Dickie Wallace's house, and I seen a bunch of black and tans tied up there. So I turned around and pulled in the driveway, and then uh, introduced myself. And that night I came back to go hunting. And uh, 
I started hunting up there five to six nights a week. And then I finally moved up there. I got too far to drive back and forth. Isn't that something, Ray? Ray, he just basically got in a vehicle (laughs) in the late 70s, early 80s, whenever this was, and saw black and tans in a yard, pulled over, and he pulled over in the yard of Roberts' little deacon. Ain't that something? Yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me, Chad, when I was a kid, I remember my dad wanting to buy, looking for a dog. And me and him left South Carolina and went to Georgia, and we rode all through the country looking for dogs tied up at people's houses. And just kind of like what what Randy did. And uh, my dad ended up buying one of the best high-tan black and tans, just pulled up at a man's house and talked to him about the dog and bought him for near nothing. This was probably in the late 60s, I guess. And we brought him home and hunted him till he died. You know, so it's kind of strange. That's cool to hear somebody else that did that kind of thing. Yeah, just just, just by chance. And then, you know, Dickie had, he had a little Deacon. He had another dog called Alabama Dealer. And uh, they hunted Dealer probably more than they did Deacon. Dealer was a, a real nice hound. And, uh, and I hunted Deacon some too, but. And then I bought a dog off of a young dog off of him that was out of dealer. And uh, he was a littermate brother to a couple dogs that John Woods had in Indiana back then. Uh, but I hunted those dogs quite a bit. Uh, you know, I hunted, uh, you know, pretty much religiously hunted five to six nights a week. And I can remember all the way up when uh, I was in my wife was pregnant with our first son, and uh, I'd go hunting and Come back in after a couple of hours, been in the house, check on her, take off, go back hunting, and come back. And the night that she told me she needed to go to the hospital, I had just come in, just had laid down from hunting. I told her she could wait a little bit longer, and that didn't go over very well. The, yeah, Dickie hunted. Dickie was the one, Dickie Wallace was the one who had little Deacon when I first found it, or first got to hunt with the dog. But, you know, I uh, think little Deacon actually was owned by. Uh, before, before Dicky got a hold of him, I think Bubba uh, Robertson. Uh, I believe that's Bubba Robertson's dog. That's where he gets Robertson's little Deacon. Uh, uh, Terry Robinson. Terry Robinson owned him. Terry, okay, in Alabama. And uh, I don't know for sure. I think Keith, Keith and Tam, Keith Conway and Tam Young owned him. And I'm not real sure if Dicky bought him from. I don't remember now. Dicky bought him from. Tam and them, or if Dickie bought him from Terry, but uh, I can remember meeting Terry and going to like, Dickie. I said he did. Dickie didn't hunt a whole lot. Uh, I hunted his dogs more than than he did at that time. I don't know if he he just he worked a lot and just wasn't. He just didn't go with us a lot. But, I, mean, I can remember him sending me to Terry. I went to Terry's house. Dickie wanted me to go to Terry's house and try a dog for him. And I went down to Terry's and, and hunted another female back then. But, but I think little Deacon, I'm almost sure that Keith or Cam owned him at one time. If it wasn't, if it wasn't little Deacon, I know it was dealer they owned. One, one of the two of them, or maybe both of them, that the Keith and Tam owned at once. So what kind of what kind of hound was uh, Little Deacon? Because you ended up purchasing Little Deacon for until he died. I guess yeah. he died at your place, didn't he, Randy? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I bought him in his 
He was. I don't remember now. He was probably. He was probably nine, ten years old, maybe older when I bought him. But little Deacon was. Uh, I just tell you, as far as the, as far as the dog to hunt, he is in no way, shape, or fashion a, a pleasure dog to hunt. Uh, little Deacon, you turn little Deacon loose is like opening a roll of lifesavers. You never knew what was coming next. Uh, <laughs> you, you, know, you can turn loose tonight. He go out there and tree coons like there's coons in every tree in the country. And the next night. He'd leave the country and go three miles, and, and I can remember, for a fact, losing two brand-new shocking collars off of him. They turned loose and have a shocking collar on him. When you find him a couple days later, he wouldn't have no shocking collar. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Little Deacon, Little Deacon's one of those dogs that you didn't, you didn't want to, you didn't want to breed the Little Deacon because what Little Deacon was, you want to breed a little deacon because what little deacon reproduced. And I think that's the way you should breed any dog. Not, You know, when you're breeding a dog, you're not buying that dog. You're buying what he's reproducing. And uh, in that category, little deacon was number one, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I mean, he's in a lot of bloodlines today. And actually, he was in the bloodlines, uh, fast forward just a bit until you're, you're – uh, you know your your Skaggs line. He was it. He was pivotal in your Skaggs line way back. What was he? Two or three generations back, maybe. Depending on he, the dog, I guess, it, doesn't it? He was from uh, from the time I bought Misty, and that was probably in nineteen eighty two or three. Uh, I never had another dog after that that didn't have Little Deacon in him uh, until. You know, a few years ago when I had to, my health uh, said I needed to slow down and quit for a while. But uh, uh, I, I, everything I had, I looked for everything I had had to do from that. Yeah. What, uh, I guess, going from Little Deacon, the, the next step, would that been Queen or would that been Misty? Yeah. That's Queen. Oh. I, I I had Misty, I bought Misty after, I, you know, I moved to, uh, from uh, uh, Arkansas to, uh, to Indiana, to Peru, Indiana. And uh, shortly thereafter, I went back to Arkansas just to go hunting and went to a PK, I went to a, a, a black and tan sectional down there. And uh guy would tell me about Misty and, and I went and hunted with her. And, uh, Finally, can talk to a guy in the cellar, and she was she was pregnant when I bought her. And part of our deal was, uh, I was buying the dog, but I wasn't buying the puppies. And I had to take the puppies and raise them all and take them back to Arkansas. And that's what I'd done. But after that, it went probably in eighty. I tell you, I bought I bought Queen and I bought Queen at the at the HHA World Hunt in nineteen eighty five. Uh, just kind of a. Funny story, I, you know, I, Carl, Carl Meinhardt had called me about Queen. He had hunted with her. And uh, he said, I don't know there's a dog at that is the kind of dog you like and the kind of dog I think you'll you'll want, you'll want to hunt. And uh, he called me, and we talked about her several times for a lot of, uh, and 
And I called it, and I can't even remember now. It's a terrible name. He had a name of a... Uh, but I called him, and we talked about her. And, uh, he told me that uh, James Kirkland had been hunting with the dog and talked to him about her. So I told him, I, I made arrangements to, after I got done at the, at the ACHA World Hub, was there in Illinois, I would drive down to Arkansas and, uh, and hunt with her. And, uh, well, when we got to uh, the ACHA World Hunt, me and Carl and James Kirkman, we were all sitting around the table there talking, and James kept on going on about this dog in Arkansas, this female in Arkansas, Queen. And uh, that the same weekend at that World Hunt, he got aggravated to his dog for whatever reason, and or for whatever reason, he sold the dog, sold his dog, and he left. They just come into my mind that he was going to go straight back to Arkansas and he was going to buy that dog. Well, as soon as he, I looked there in the parking lot, as soon as James left, I went to a phone booth back then and called the man in Arkansas said, if you'll bring Queen up here to me, I'll just buy her. Sight unseen. And he didn't really want to do that, and I talked him into doing it because I just knew what was going to happen. And, uh, and so he brought Queen up there, and I bought her, and then the next day James showed up at his house to buy her. <laughs> <laughs> And, and we talked about it after that, me and James, and we, we kind of laughed about it after, you know, there wasn't no real hurt feelings over it or nothing, but uh, he said, well, said, you're just as well off with her as I was. And, and, uh, but uh, that's how I got queen. It was, uh, just from other people, you know, that I'd hunted with and that I knew, and they knew what I wanted, knew what I liked, and they got lucky, and they, and they told me about it, you know. Uh, well, uh Ray, that uh, uh, dog he's talking about, Skaggs Black Queen, and Skaggs Black Queen, and we we've already done a uh, a three parter on my friend Wendell. Skaggs Black Queen's great grandfather was Vols Gentleman Jim. Okay, and, and that makes sense. I actually remember having Queen and some dog pedigrees that I owned way back there. And uh, Queen's dad, reason Kirkland. We call him Kirkland. It's James Kirkland, someone we're probably going to get on the podcast as well. Uh, one of the best dog men, as, as Wendell Perry tells me, he's one of the best dog men that's ever lived, uh, uh, James Kirkland. But uh, I would second that. Yep. Uh, several people, whoever knows Kirkland knows he's one of the best dog men in the country. But Kirkland wanted Queen for a variety of reasons. One of them was because she was out of Gunner. Uh, Kirkland and Logan's Gunner, which was out of Raging Black Hoss, and and uh, but looks like you beat him to the punch, didn't you, Randy? You just got lucky. I've always said it's better, better to be lucky than good. So you, uh, so you start with, I guess Queen would be in, in the next progression. That uh, yes, after let's let's say after Little Deacon, well, probably Little Deacon's still alive, and you're uh, you you acquire Queen. Is that would that be safe to say? No, I bought. Uh, I can't remember. I bought Little Deacon, probably in between Misty and Queen. Yeah, probably. Okay, so I we bought. we really jumped ahead a little bit. So let's talk about uh, Skaggs' Black Queen a little bit. Tell me, uh, how old was she when you when you when you acquired her? She was. I think she was less than. She was less than two. She was just. Uh, well, I'd say a really, you know, nice young started dog. 
Do you remember? I bought her. She, remember her bottom she, side, Randy? Do what now? You remember her bottom side, by any chance? Uh, Queen was. Yeah, Queen was out of a dog called I believe, it was, I believe her name was Hatchacoon Kate. She Queen's bottom side. It was a little deacon. Gotcha. She went back to little deacon on the bottom. Gotcha. Okay. So she queen, was roughly a two-year-old, good started dog, and you just lit into her. Yeah. Yeah. Now, were you yeah. in Indiana at this time? Then is that Peru? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I lived in Indiana then. Yeah. And you got to hunt um, a little bit with Russ Beller. You told me over the phone that that he uh, yeah. he thought a lot of your your little dog. Yeah, he like he really liked Misty, and 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 he told a lot of you know, and we hunted, you know. We pleasure hunted some, and you know, and then he's always at the hunts, and I was at every weekend. I was somewhere to hunt. I mean, there was very few weekends that I spent at home during the summertime. You know, after all, all the hunts in Indiana, you know, we'd hunt. You know, and you draw rust, just see him at the hunts pretty regular, and him or his handlers. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I got to hunt with a lot of guys back then. You know, a lot of really good handlers. Tell us a little. Tell, tell the listeners a little bit about Queen. How did she operate? Queen uh, is probably the, one of the harder going dogs you, you ever want to hunt. And you could you couldn't hunt you couldn't hunt Queen down. You couldn't. Uh, I didn't say you couldn't. I never could. Uh, one year before the World Hunter Automotive, we hunted her 63 nights in a row, and she would go just as hard in the 63rd night as she did the first night. That wasn't me hunting her 63 nights. That was three people hunting her, and three of us couldn't hunt her down. Uh, she was a a real nice tree dog. Average to, you know, good to average strike dog. But she was she was pretty accurate. She was, she was a fairly accurate dog, and she just... She had, you know, just nothing on her mind but wanting to treat coons. Now, she, you know, when I bought her, I said she'd run anything that had blood in it. Uh, but she was a really easy dog. And most things a queen done wrong, I broke her from in the backyard. Uh, you know, you could, you could give her a whipping and, and she'd be over it way before you would be. If she couldn't handle no juice, you know, if you give her a little shock and that was just a little bit of shock and that was all it took and she was done with that. Uh, but she was uh, it's extremely hard going and uh, as far as I know it may have changed but back in the day, you know, she placed in the top 20 of the UKC World Hunt four times. Oh, wow. And, and at that time, and as far as I know, there's no dog of any other, of any breed that's ever placed Four years in a row in the top twenty of the UKC World Hunt. Now may, maybe they're having I don't, but I know back in the nineties there had not there hadn't been any. If they've done it. They've done it the last 10, 15, 20 years. And the Queen was a high school dog. Of, she was a. I think she finished a grand at Autumn Oaks. She was a high scoring dog at Autumn Oaks. I hunted her pretty much. Hunted her competition. Hunted her about five years. In those five years, she placed four times in the top 20 in the UKC World Hunt. And one year she didn't. She was a high-scoring dog of Autumn Oaks. So, 
that's a and, that's uh, a she was a night chasing woman. I ain't trying was, to follow that. Nothing <laughs> was the one that had the he had the the national grand night champion with Hank. One of the many times he did, but uh, but she was a high scoring queen. Was a high scoring dog uh, that same year that. But she was just she was a, a night champion, Randy, is what you're saying. And, and of course, uh, and Hank, yeah. Hank was a grand knight. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so Queen, Queen was a, was, did she ball on the ground with ball and chop? Or? Yeah. Yep. And she was a straight up on the tree, tree dog. And, and she just pretty much wasn't going nowhere. They just didn't. Her and Misty both. Yeah. You know, and they got to remember now, back in those days, there wasn't very many people hunted females. I was one of the few people who wouldn't hunt nothing else but a female back then. And the uh, one thing I learned, you could you could have a female that, let's say, it was a. They would both introduce themselves at the tree. And uh, and you could you know they they just about have to gut them to get them to leave. They wasn't going to leave. And, and that's what I liked. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't. They were just easy dogs to handle, easy dogs to call. Uh, especially Misty. Misty was Misty was by Queen was a good dog to hunt. She was fun to hunt, competition or otherwise. Misty was extremely fun to hunt in competition, but not as much of a pleasure dog to hunt. If you turn if you turn Misty loose a hundred times, you went and got her a hundred times off a hundred trees. That's just and I I can I can give you a list of names of people who would tell you the same thing. Uh, and she didn't tree she didn't just go out there and tree to be treeing. If she couldn't find a track on the ground, you know, she would she'd tree a layup. You was never beaten a hunt with with Queen or Misty, either one, until the hunt was over. Because at any minute they might just sit down and treat, and never say a word and just treat. You know, when when dogs would come back because they just couldn't find a track nowhere, one of those two would tree somewhere. So that's yeah. you know. That, Which, uh, uh, what what? I don't have Misty's pedigree in front of me, but was she? What was she out of? Misty was out of Little Deacon. Straight out of and Little a dog Deacon. Named Straight out of Little Deacon and a dog named Okachia Black Jewel that was out of uh, Umphers, Tennessee Rambler. Another another dog that we've talked about a little bit on the podcast, uh, Jarvis's Tennessee Rambler. Uh, all these uh, puzzle pieces seem to fall in place, don't they, Ray? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We got, you know, it all ties together. If you keep going back, it just keeps on tying together. So... Misty. I think it's the same way with Queen. Queen, when you go back and check on the, you know, like a, a Gunner was out of Hoss, you know, that, uh, some of Jarvis's dogs. And it is. Both of those two females, you can look at, well, I, I got a, an, old, an old pedigree sitting here in front of me, an old, it's on a pup, and it show, show a little deacon seven times. That seven generation pedigree, you know, it's just they're kind of fun to look at some of them. And, you, and if you look at them and really look at them close, 
you see how much that uh, some of the dogs, like there's a a dog in Misty's pedigree, or not Misty's, but uh, another dog I'll talk about maybe later, but the, the dog I had called Hammer, uh, you look at their pedigrees and there's dogs that are litter mates. They're back in the pedigrees. You can tell you know, their their UKC numbers are one number apart. So I, I didn't know that, Randy. I I thought maybe Queen and Misty were related, and they are related, but they're not brothers, yeah. uh, sisters. They're they're. they're no, 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 no. Now, which one? Which one came to your house before the other? Misty was first, and then Queen. So you had two winners. At on the chain at the same time. No, I had three. Three. There was another one called Cypress Creek Abbey. She was a she was a UKC Grand, a PKC champion, and an ACHA champion. Well, we don't this need to leave her. All you could do about we don't need to leave her out. What was she out of? She went back to Waxweed Banner. Oh, that initial. She kind of went back to that yeah. initial dog you, you really thought a lot of when you were yeah. a kid. Yeah, she went back far enough. That's what she went back to. She come from Ohio. I bought her. Uh, me and John Woods bought her together. And then uh, we were partners on her. And then I bought bought John's half out, traded him out of it, or done something. But anyway, I ended up with all of her. And so I had, uh, I had three Grand Night Champion females there to hunt at the same time. All right. Needless to say, I need. Needless to say, I needed help. <laughs> well, uh, um, did you take them three together a lot, or did you hunt one at a time? Or yeah, I didn't hunt them together very much because there was more dogs than there was night. I mean, sometimes it was. Well, I still had to go to work the next morning. So, uh, no, back usually, the, back and, I, and I just didn't hunt like that. I just didn't hunt. I hunted. I've always been a a big fan of hunting one dog and one man. Well, if you back, really want to know, if you really want to know about a dog, that's how you do it. I mean, in my opinion. Back yeah. then, did those dogs were they independent in the in, in the eighties, in the mid eighties, or, or did they honor one another yeah. a little better? They would honor each other. They're not like nothing, nothing like what they are today. Nothing like nothing like these dogs today. They would, uh, they would honor another dog, but they, you know, they, they still got pretty cool. You know, you still, especially you hunt a place like Indiana, where there's, well, you know, back then, but there's probably more coons there now than what there was back then. That's back when coon hides were still high, but uh, there was still a lot of coons, and you know, you could easily have dogs. You know, you just didn't hardly ever go to a hunt that you didn't have dogs split treat, and you still split treat a lot, but. But it was more uh, I think the big difference in my opinion of hunting in the hunts then and hunting in the hunts now and the kind of dogs you need uh, back then it was more you turn dogs loose they struck a track they run it and they treat it they ran it and they treat so as a handler you had to be able to you had to be more on your toes you know you had to you had to be able you had to have a dog that you could tree on a half a bark. You know. Now your dog's gonna be treated by itself anyway, so what's the big hurry about treating your dog when ain't nobody else gonna no other dog gonna come there no how? You know? 
Yeah, that's a good you can point. You pretty much take a nap and wake up and treat your dog. I mean, uh, but when you got three or you got three or four dogs running the same track, you better be able to. You better be able to know. You better know when yours the first bark it makes when it hits a tree. You better know it and be able to call it. Or you're not going to win. Nowadays, that's not so important, you know. So, which one of these females was the, was the oldest? Was it was it Misty? Misty. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of difference in their age. Misty was about a year or so older. And then Abby was uh, the youngest of those three. She, she was about cute. Now she was about the same. She was about the same age. So um, Abby had just always been a pleasure dog until we bought her. Uh, and we started putting her you know, uh, in the hunts. And, so out of those uh, four years in a row that you went to the world hunt and got in the top 20, which, I mean, we'd have to check with UKC, but that seems like a feat that may not ever be, may not ever be, you know, four years to four consecutive years in a row. That's pretty impressive. But do you remember a cast in that world hunt four year stretch that stuck out to you? That 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 would be good for the listeners. There was Queen. It was not so much that it seemed like you know, she would never just. She didn't go out and just you know just totally dominate a cast that much. She just always won. She just I, you know I can't remember anyone that uh, yeah I was tickled to death to get every win that I got but. Uh, Misty was just more of an, an impressive you know, dog in, in, in competition. You know, like when Misty was, when, when Misty was a high-scoring, she was a high-scoring dog at Autumn Oaks in 1988 as the, the National Grand Night Champion in 1988. And, you know, that, that was a cast that was a, a pretty impressive and easy to remember. I mean, she was just, she just kind of, she just dominated the cast. Uh, she did that a lot. Though. I mean, she was just a, I said she was a, she was a super competition dog. She I was, uh, so she, what kind of score did you have during, during that national? Yeah, it was, I, back then it was, it was 800, 800 plus, no minus, no circuit. I think that's what it was. I know it was, eight, I'm pretty positive it was 800, or it might have been a little over that, but. That was back before we had the, the two thousand point wins and stuff. <laughs> you know, they didn't, yeah, I remember that. They didn't have mm-hmm. it. Yeah, we don't have those very and much when anymore. When scored that, she was she was she was pregnant that in that hunt too. And she was she, pregnant she, in in the autumn oaks hunt. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But she treated coons. She treated coon. Her first coon she treated was on the tailgate of the truck. Yeah. Yeah. The first first jump we first drop we made when she come out of the truck on the tailgate she started training and I trying to get her to shut up and uh, well, we let him off the off the tailgate and cross the ditch and turned him loose and she come right back to the truck and jumped on a tree on the road in the road ditch and tree and had a coon and I shut him out and that was probably within two minutes of the hunt I was already up two hundred. Uh, uh, or two and a quarter, whatever it was. I, think, I don't know if the 
but does she Misty with tree coons this may sound stupid but Misty was just a dog that she knew when she was coon hunting and she knew when she was in a competition hunt if you took her to a coon club and you took her out of the tail, uh, dog box and you tied her to the tailgate she got turned on right then and and she stayed turned on until you got her home I mean she would you couldn't it too hard to lead when she was out of home she'd be right up on her hind legs uh, and and she would strike on the dog leash she she would tree on the dog leash uh, now you just took her out coon hunting just during the week she didn't do that just hunting her by herself or but when she, when she got to a competition hunting and she got wound up and and she had she had coon treeing on her mind when she took her to a she liked competition as much as I did, if not better. And some dogs don't. Some dogs just don't like it. And that's a lot of people think there's no difference between a competition dog and a pleasure dog. And in my mind, there's quite, there's quite a difference. We're, we're going to wrap up part one right now, guys. We're going to do a, 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 a this little wrap up here, but we're going to. We're going to start with uh, part two here in a few minutes, but we're going to uh, take a break here. Uh, anything you want to add, Ray, before we take a break? No, sir. I'm just sitting here. I've, uh, I've actually pulled my papers book out while we were listening, and I'm sitting here perusing my papers and trying to see where all this ties in, like we were talking about before. It's just such an interesting story to watch it all come together. So uh, as we always say, guys, this is a uh, uh, you know, podcast is a, a no advertisements. All we ask you to do, if, if you're not a member of the Black Town Association, please become a member, abtcha.net. Uh, if you have a hunting buddy that, that's not a member that's, uh, you know, that participates in our sport and hunts these black and tans, please encourage them to become a member. Uh, strength is in numbers, and that's what we're after Uh with that being said, we're going to wrap up part one. We'll bring part two to you just in a few minutes uh, in podcast land. It may be a few days, but uh, for Ray and, and Randy and, uh, and myself, uh, God bless and go black. <laughs>